Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar. I hope everyone is well. Uh, last year, back in 2020, I had the pleasure to speak to the two guys from Silvernose Studios who are working on Nine More Lies. And the plan was I was going to upload this interview uh, close to the time of the game's release, which was originally supposed to be 2021. Unfortunately, they've had to push back the game to 2022. So I thought I would release the interview anyway, uh, so people can find out more about this game, hopefully, and to help these guys out because this game is looking really, really good. So I hope to take as long as they need on this game. But in the meantime, you can hear us chat about the game and about how they got these fantastic voice actors in the game and the graphics and just everything else about the game, without spoilers, of course. So first of all, here's a trailer for the game, followed by my interview. Please enjoy. Cats, cartels, and crime. Welcome to Meow Meow Furrington, a city that will just as soon claw your eyes out as lick your face. Explore the hangouts and high points of this feline fatopia. Discover characters both kooky and dangerous? Solve the mystery of a murder that threatens to spill into the city like an overturned saucer of milk and ignite a war between the powerful Montemue and catulate families. And lick things like an overeager kitten in a new house lick first and meow questions later. Oh, and definitely solve that murder, too. You know, if there's time. Stretch your legs, clean your whiskers, and dive into nine noir lives. Enjoy a classic point-and-click adventure game full of humor, crazy characters, and intriguing locations. Solve challenging puzzles and answer the immortal question, how many things need to be licked to solve a murder in this crummy town? This week I am joined by... William and Daniel of Silvernose Studios and the developers of Nine Noir Lives. So we're looking forward to finding out more about this game as I really enjoyed the demo. So hello, guys. How are you guys doing? Hey. Guys. Uh, Hi there. <laughs> I'm doing good. Daniel, how are you doing? Yeah, good. And you? Yeah, we're, we're all doing good. That's, uh, that's good. <laughs> In these challenging times, we're all doing good. Yes, at the, at the time of recording, hopefully by the time this podcast, this episode goes out, things will have improved. But at the time of recording, we are going through some interesting times. It's uh, worldwide, we, we could say. So it's good to have a comedy game that will make us laugh, which we'll talk about now. So we're here to talk about Nine War Lies, as I mentioned, which is uh, which is one of the latest games in a subgenre called Animal Detectives, which... It seems to be a thing now, which I am all for, but uh, we'll find out more about that. So I was wondering, before we get to your game, if you could introduce yourselves and say which are your favorite adventure slash narrative games uh, that you have played. So 
I know this is putting on the spot because people usually say this is the most difficult question, so we can get this question out of the way. <laughs> and sure, uh, William, would you like to start? Sure, sure. Uh, so the I'm William. I, I'm doing the uh, project management and the art and, and stuff on Silvernote. Uh, for my my favorite adventure game, there's there's several point and click adventure games. Uh, I mean, my all time favorite. There's actually two. It's uh, Broken Sword. Two specifically, but the whole Broken Sword series, and also Curse of Monkey Island. I mean, you can't get better better than uh, you know pirates and zombies and Guybrush Threepwood. So those are my two high ones. <laughs> yeah, interesting. You go for Broken Sword too. I mean, I love that game as well. But is there any particular reason why you prefer that over the rest? I mean, as you mentioned, the whole series is good, but yeah, I think for me the it's it's part nostalgia. Uh, but I think also, uh, you know, uh, when I play it, it's just, it's so well constructed. The characters, you know, the, the uh, uh, different characters are so humorous, um, you know, from Broken Sword uh, 1, Inspector uh, Mew, and, uh, you know, all the different characters are very well written. The way that George Sober also interacts with the world, the little narration-y bits, like if you complete a puzzle, there's a little musical cue that makes you go, "Ah, oh, I'm so clever," you know, <laughs> things like that. So it's just when I play it, it's it's overall, it's just a very enjoyable experience to me. And I think back in the day when I was a lot younger, and and I played that game, I sort of just fell in love with it. Um, you know, it's it was quite uh, it it made quite an impact, and I think that's that's the reason uh, I enjoy all all uh, Revolution Software games, but um, Broken Sword. To, I mean, also the mystical aspect, and you know, the you know, going around, and it's these um, mysterious cult esque things, and and you're this detective, something like that. It really just appeals to me, you know. So I think that's that that would be the main draw for me. Yeah, and I, I love the locations as well. They're really bright, colorful locations, and in South America or well, Latin America, mm. um, I believe it. I don't know if it was Mexico, but yeah, we'll say Latin America to be safe. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, as you mentioned, I love the humor and just, you know, for, well, from both of those games in particular, that, uh, yeah, Bro- Broken Sword, well, one is my favorite adventure game of all time. So, but I love Broken Sword 2 as well. It's very close behind. It's, um, and I think Rolf Saxon is so important to George, you know, as the role of George Stobart that Absolutely. I hope. Uh, <laughs> I hope Revolution don't ever find out, or I hope George, uh, Rolf Saxon doesn't ever find out just how important he is, because he could charge quite a ransom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but his voice is like butter as well, you know. I mean, when when you play as George and he's like, uh, I don't know, especially the descriptive bits, you know, because that's also the draw that I have with um, Broken Sword and with, that, that we're trying to bring in, because... You know, Daniel being the writer and being so talented, he he brings in like narration bits. So it's it's a point and click classic adventure game, but we bring in like parts of Broken Sword where the character might narrate what he's seeing. Because oftentimes George would would um, you know have a descriptive sentence about a character he's looking to sort of just enhance the gameplay experience. And that's something that we've tried to bring as bring in as well with a bit of comedy. But um, you know, it's these sort of elements that. I picked from Broken Sword that I find very appealing. Mm, no, absolutely. No, actually, yeah, that's a good point that you that you made. That there is narration like in Broken Sword as well. That's um, no, well, you know, we could. I mean, the writing as well is particularly of high quality. So, um, 
yeah, no, now I want to play it again. So <laughs> <laughs> no, and then of course, Curse of Monkey Island as well. You know, a classic as well. Although I know that was my first of the Monkey Island games that I played. So um, that's that's maybe the best one to start with. I would say. Yes. It's uh, the first two are, are good, but it's challenging, you know. Oh, definitely, yes. No, I think if you're going to start, that might be. Although the, the beginning might be very confusing, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the, the locations again are wonderful in that game. And um, well, thank you for that, William. And then uh, Daniel, uh, we haven't forgotten about you. Um, <laughs> wonder if you could introduce yourself as well and say what are your favorite adventure or narrative games? Sure thing. Yeah, so I'm Daniel. I'm doing the writing and, well, that's mostly what I'm doing, but just helping out with all sorts of other bits and pieces, technical stuff mostly. And, I mean, my favorite narrative games is is a difficult question because I guess the, my favorite narrative games aren't even adventure games at all. It's stuff like the old the old school Zorks and the very much more modern Sunless Sea as a two very completely different examples. Um, when it's adventure games, it's something as simple as Sam and Max because there's a, a craziness to it that just appeals to me. Um, I'm actually very, very bad at puzzles. I, I always joke that I probably won't even be able to finish our own game if, we, <laughs> if, if I came to it blind. So, um, but the writing in the games is just, just transfixes me because it manages to create these ridiculous characters that you still identify with, despite them being, you know, pirates who can't do anything or talking heads or whatever you know the writing is what makes them characters that you can actually identify with and i see that in zork where obviously text was all there was and i see it in sunless sea which just has well i mean the whole fail better world is just fascinating to me i was just busy busy playing it a bit the other day again and realizing i mean well sunless skies actually when you uh when you die and it has that opening line of the whole cracks and the sky pours in. It's just a magnificent line, and it just makes you want to know so much more about the world. And that's something I've tried to bring to our game because it's tricky. You, you, if, if you build yourself as an adventure game, people kind of have this idea. I mean, not not so much these days. There's been quite a, a proliferation in the genre of different sorts of games. But you know, people think, okay, adventure games are kind of nutty characters and all sorts of crazy puzzles and that sort of thing. But uh, when we started working on this, I thought, you know, how, I mean, if we're going to make it a noir game, that's got implications as well. You know, you're talking about a certain style of, of uh, character and a certain style of world. But what if we tried to create a world that felt real and characters that felt real within it without sacrificing the craziness that you get from those old school adventure games like Sam and Max? I mean, I don't think anyone would claim Sam and Max is set in a realistic world, for example. <laughs> um, and it, well, to be fair, neither is ours. But uh, if you ignore the fact that they're talking cats, I like to think that you could pretty much treat it as a real world. We, yeah, we try and avoid any supernatural elements, not out of dislike of them, simply because it didn't fit into the world. But we've got other elements such as talking machines and that sort of thing. Yeah, no, that's uh, that, that's true. Actually, when when I played a demo, it even though they mentioned they're talking cats and they're clearly cats, they still felt real and it felt believable. Uh, from the half an hour or one hour it took me to play, it still felt like I was like I never questioned it. Like I never went, "Wow, talking cats? Why are they talking?" I was like, "No, okay, <laughs> I'm going with it." It 
And as you said, so all in the writing, because going back to Curse of Monkey Island, one of the most famous characters is Murray, the skull. Oh, I love Murray. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just a skull. I mean, <laughs> is I, it I, an, I, am I evil looking doorstop? <laughs> I love that. We actually sat one evening and we went through all of Murray's stuff. We just watched Murray and listened to Murray and thought, you know, how do we bring this to our game without just ripping off Murray? Um, so but, it'll be interesting you know, to see which characters people see in our game and say this reminds me of Murray because there's two I can think of and I wonder if other if if other people will identify others that they feel have that have that uh, combination of craziness and and fun. So with with adventure gaming, you know, I I I I've played most of the adventure games that come out. Daniel is he's played some, but he's not uh you know as as with the old school stuff he he didn't grow up with it. So with with Curse of Monkey Island, I actually sat him down and and we said I said I have to show you this and we played uh from the start through. Um and specifically I highlighted okay are you ready? Murray's coming up, you know. <laughs> and then he's he's on the one pole <laughs> at the at the voodoo place and you could talk to him and you know, so it's it's nice sharing those sort of things as well, you know. So, yeah. De- definitely. No, it's very nice when you discover something and then you share those things as well. It's uh, No, he was definitely one of my favorite characters in, in any, I think, a, a game, certainly an adventure game. And he's he's just a skull. He's just a talking skull. Yeah, exactly. But, but it's interesting, Daniel, how you mentioned that one of your favorites was Zork, because then you mentioned that, like me, you said you weren't very good at puzzles, and I'm the same, actually, that it takes me a while to think about, you know, oh, it's puzzle. I mean, sometimes I get, but I have a tendency to overcomplicate puzzles, that if I think, oh, it's a puzzle, it's going to be really complicated, and then, oh, it's actually that simple. And sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes it's, like, especially with the old-school games, and curious with LucasArts games, that I was, I'd be like, no, no idea how this, how it would have ever gotten this without yeah, a walkthrough. Yeah, it's, it's the same. And I mean, it's right from the beginning of the games as well. I'll start the game up and the very first puzzle, I'm stumped. I'm just like, what, <laughs> what, what do I do now? You click on, I click on everything. And I'm like, well, that's out of options. I, I guess, yeah. I guess, I guess I'm not finishing this game. <laughs> <laughs> but then Zork, I haven't played it, but I read it. I've, I've read that that has, that's famous or infamous for its very difficult and obtuse puzzles. So well, how did you find the, that? Well, the trick was, it was the only game I had. So either <laughs> I didn't play games or I played Zork. Uh, this was a long time ago and PC games weren't weren't readily available. Plus, I only had a very old computer. So, um, yeah. So I just basically, I mean, I would, I would get stuck and I'd get frustrated and I'd leave. And an hour later, I'd come back because what else was there to do at the time? <laughs> so I sort of basically just hammered through that thing by sheer force of will. But it was, I, I, initially, I just saw it as a game. But as I played it more, and I saw that, you know, it's actually, there's, there's a world there. And this is just your view into it. And it really inspired me to begin looking into writing for myself and stuff, which for many, many years was absolutely awful. But hopefully has improved enough mm. to make the game an enjoyable experience. <laughs> Right, yes, yeah, because I'm reading a book now, well, at the time of recording, it's about uh, the evolution of adventure games and that, and it's the section I'm on right now is actually Zork, and it's going in more detail about how the Zork games have evolved, and how with the sequels then, that they, they change it as well, and how Zork came into being. And it's like the very first puzzle that people were stuck on, that apparently you're not given any guidance, and that apparently you have to search under rug, I think, that, but there's no guidance at all for that. <laughs> Yeah, flip. 
haven't thought about that in so long. I, I, <laughs> it's bound to be on emulators and stuff these days. I really must dig it out and proceed to instantly no, get nowhere on it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really should check check them out as well. But um, but yeah, no, that's definitely. And, I, and I've heard of the Fallen Skies as well. I haven't played those Sunless Sea games on a sky, but I think they're on my wish list along with you know several hundred other games that I have on, well, I mean, on my this, wish list. This is probably no use for your listeners when this comes out, but it's on special right now on Steam if you want to check it out. I think 75% oh. off or something. So. Oh, well, but, yeah, it's, it's, it it's definitely not for everyone. Um, in fact, almost everyone I talk to about it, because I rave about it, I'm like, this world is amazing and just everything, and they're like, ah, didn't really get into it. But, I mean, there's just, there's just so much there, and the way they expose the world to you the way they choose what you see and and how they express it to you is just magnificent to me i just love it yeah no definitely i've, I've heard a lot of good things about it i believe there's a lot of positive reviews so i'll see if it's 75 percent off i'll see if i <laughs> check it out so um well thank you for that and so now as you mentioned you are working on your own point and click adventure game and which at least for the demo definitely does have those it seems to have those LucasArts vibes without being, um, as you mentioned, rip-off of the games. Or, <laughs> but it definitely seems to have similar humor. Um, but when when did you guys uh, found a company? Had, uh, have you guys been friends for a long time, or how did you guys meet to found a company? So we, uh, you know what, the, it, it's, uh, when we say company, it's actually just the two of us, you know, we, we, we <laughs> do company, it. But... <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we, part, we do it part-time. Um, you know, so it's, uh, and we outsource most of it. So we've got contractors that, you know, I pay, so we self-fund it. It really is a passion project. I mean, we've been at it for about four years. We now have a release date set for February, uh, and it's coming together beautifully. We've got the, uh, voice recording starting in June now for the final stretch. So it's, it's the two of us, um, you know, working together on it. Uh, and it's, it's been a, a very good, a fun, fun experience. It's been pretty great. So we've uh, that's pretty much the company, you know. It's it's the two of us, and and we outsource uh, all other work. Okay. I think, it, I think it started. When did you start the company? 2015, 2016, somewhere around there. Around there, yeah. Okay, and then uh, you got you got involved, then Daniel, sometime afterwards. Quite some time after, yeah. So initially it was just William. Um, he had the company for consulting work, and then. He began using it. He had. He, he's, he's always wanted to make a game. I mean, he can tell you all about that. But the short version is, he's always wanted to make a game, and he had some ideas, and he 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 try and make them work, and kick them past me. I'd be like, oh, yeah, just try, this, try that, and nothing ever quite stuck. I mean, at one point there was a concept for a a game set in uh, in the, the very rural South Africa and all sorts of things, but you know, it's difficult to make that relatable to people who have no idea about it and we didn't have yeah we just couldn't find the right spark to make it kick off so we tried that and there was some other stuff and william worked on a few tiny little games for 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 third parties here and there and i i I wish i could remember how it happened but he just came to me the one day and he said so what about talking cats you know then i was like okay well that's fine cats are great uh and we talked about it for not very long, 15, 20 minutes, and we just came up with all these crazy ideas and it was like, okay, this feels like, the, you know, this already feels like more than we've ever had before. This could actually go somewhere. And at the time, I was still just giving advice and suggestions. I wasn't involved in the project. And it was a, 
a year or a year and a half in, I think, when he there was there was some writing done, but it was it was much more towards the noir side of comedy noir than the comedy side, and it just felt like we just sat we were sitting there one day looking at it, and it's like, I mean, do we really want to make another noir game? I mean, people have enough going on in their lives that they don't necessarily want to play a game that's very dark and depressing and whatever. Um, because I mean, if you're writing a noir game, you know someone's going to die, something horrible is going to happen to someone else. It's almost inevitable. So we thought, well, I mean, we, we could we could just totally switch to the comedy side of things, maybe, and you know, go in that direction. And then it's like, but you know, the writing we've got, we weren't sure if the writer would have the have the right feel for it because he had a certain idea in mind. Um, so I said, well. I guess I could write it. And at the time, I was thinking, well, I mean, yeah, it won't take won't take too long. I could, you know, whip something up in a couple of months, and then I could move on with my own other projects as well. So that was two years ago, and I'm still here. So clearly, <laughs> clearly, that took a little bit longer than expected. Uh, and yeah, as it's gone on, I've just become more and more involved. So at this point, it's very much a two-man team, and not just a one-man team with someone else yelling advice from the sidelines. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's amazing how often that happens, that when people start making a game with an idea and they say, oh, it'll only take me a couple of months, it won't take me that long, or I won't spend too much time on this, I'll get have this ready in a couple of months. But a lot of people I've spoken to said, yeah, no, 10 years, well, not a lot of people, you know, but a few years, one or two people have been 10 years making their game. And they're still working on it. So which... ah, I can see how it happens. Absolutely. You don't realize the amount of work when you mm. start. And it, it really is just passion. You know, that's what drives you. And, uh, you know, a, a, a strength of will to push through. Because it's, it's not easy. There's a lot of unknowns. You know, we, when we talk about, like, the technology, you know, how, what engine do we use? How do we get the knowledge to build the game uh, from the ground up? So where do we get artists? Uh, which animation, um, you know, what animation software do we use? How do we get that into the game? Uh, and that that's not even touching the actual game design or the, um, you know, the music or the, the platform support, the translations. So it's it it it'll never be a few months, <laughs> you know. It's going to be two three years, uh, and we're doing it part time as well, which is um, it's it's a nice project to have as well, you know. So it's good. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not the money motivating you guys. It's not to get really rich making this game. I mean, maybe, but <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's exactly right. You know, when when we started this, and and that's like Daniel said, it's it's always been a passion of mine to make a game. But the thing is, I want to make an adventure game that I would love love to play. You know, a world that you could fall in love with. The the characters, it it should be like your happy place. You want to go. You want to go in that world. You want to you want to see the because the we you know when we design the locations and the characters, we've got great respect for the player's time and you know the the investment that they're actually giving us. You know, they're spending time in this world that we are we are crafting for them. So we treat that with great respect. And you know, I, I think it'll definitely show in the end product as well. Because I feel oftentimes with with adventure games uh, nowadays, it's it's there isn't that much thought in into the puzzles, for instance. You know, it's not it's not perfectly crafted. You know, it's use use this on that or you know, it's not it's not um, you know very consistent with the world. It, it, there hasn't a lot of a lot of thought hasn't been applied to uh, you know what you're actually doing, and then giving a proper payoff and all of that. So that's really what what we're trying to address with this game. You know, we want people to fall in love with it because it's not just one game. We you know we see it as a, a whole world. You know, 
with potential to to for whatever we choose to do with it going forward. But the brand itself, we treat with great respect. I, th- I think we well, I, I could tell a little bit with the demo because one thing that really impressed me is the the attention to the little details that clearly mm-hmm. they were they are cats because other times if you play for example with other uh, games with animals or even in locations and think would that really happen but in this case uh, you know there was for example with the cursor that it changes you know from I think it's it's literally a mouse and then it changes to a cat and <laughs> it's just <laughs> little things like that that it's like oh, these are things that make the game if you so um, how I mean how did that idea come about first of all because I'm curious about to just make the mouse a lit, literal mouse and and for, first yeah that, that's a question then yeah because I want to ask too many questions at once so um, yeah so how did that idea come about with the little details like that so uh, uh, Daniel you can from my side what I what I can tell you is that. You know that because you probably noticed that the interaction system we got is one that was used in Sam and Max and not anywhere else really. It's the right-click uh, system where you cycle through the different interactables. Mm. But you know, I think we, when we looked at it, you know, we thought what could be really, really funny, and we just realized if you had a lick icon, that's not anything that anybody has. <laughs> you know, I mean, you should see some of the 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 text when you're actually using that on characters you know uh, or specific (laughs) objects it's hilarious uh it just gives us a lot of um you know agency with the 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 humor and just crafting that that world you know very meticulously uh that i mentioned uh sorry daniel i don't know if you wanted to add yeah i mean it's uh, you talk about attention to detail but i I, i'd almost say that's that that isn't quite what we're going for we're simply going for something where nothing ever feels wasted. Simply cycling through your actions makes you happy because there's a little lick animation and there's a little mouse with a little squiggly tail. And then you start using those on things. And we've, we're taking so much time to make sure that every action's responses feels worthwhile. So you, you can spend however long you want in a single location looking at everything and not feel like you've wasted any time. You know, and it's it's just this idea of we can spend as much time as we want building this thing, but players only get to play it once. So let's really just put everything in, all the little touches, you know. Let's really make it something that you come away from and you're like, well, I wish I could play that again for the first time. Yeah, I think something that frustrates me with um, adventure games is, you know, if you have a look icon and you look at a door and then the character says it's a door. Exactly. And I'm like, exactly. I know it's a door. You know, Daniel's got a great saying. He says, any text, Daniel, just help me here. You say that uh, text needs to do yeah, a few so, things, Yeah, right? so, I mean, when we started writing and we realized, I mean, because we wanted, we, we still do, in fact, and we aim for this, to have two responses for each action per object. So that's eight lines, potentially, you know, two licks, two looks, two users, and so on. And then you have to decide, how do you make this, how do you not just put in filler text everywhere? Like you said, this is a door. This is still a door. Thanks. That's very helpful. And yeah, so the, the sort of the, the guiding principles were it has to either be funny, just intrinsically funny in some way, or it has to tell you something about the character you're playing as, or it has to tell you something about the world you're in. So if it doesn't meet one of those three criteria, we take it out or we replace it. And I think that's going to leave a lot of good stuff in that people, you know, you, you, 
you aren't ever going to know what you're going to get in the next object. Is it going to tell you something about Meow Meow Furrington or the, the greater world or about Cuddles or some of the other characters you play or, you know, just a, a, a an amusing quip or a, and a cat pun, although there's actually far fewer cat puns than, than you might think in a game like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I, and again, I, I noticed that in the demo because... Uh, William, you took the words right out of my mouth. That's one of my main criticisms of adventure games in general is that either the, you know, if you said if it's look up icon to a door and say it's a door, or simply if there is no interaction that you can't interact with the world or with the, with the screen as well. Because in this game, as, as you mentioned, I felt like I knew the character and we only spoke, what in the demo? But I only spoke to two other characters, and it was mainly through interacting with the objects around him. And it, it was like, okay, I got a feeling of who this person is now, and you know his thought process, and also I felt like I, I knew him. So um, that's, that's fantastic because that's exactly what what we want. Yeah, I think it definitely achieved that so far, just with the demo at least. And now speaking about that, because he mentioned some names there as well, and. So I was wondering if you could tell us about the, um, the setting and you know, the story and the characters as well. That because you mentioned cuddles and yeah, <laughs> this is <laughs> so, so so yeah, yeah so the setup then yeah uh, over to you. So the game is set in a city called Meow Meow Furrington, which is implied to be a single city within a larger world called Firth which is just our name for a world that's inhabited essentially by anthropomorphic animals as opposed to people. We only really meet cats. I don't want to spoil too much, but certainly the greater world has all sorts of other species. We've, we've actually planned out a whole bunch of information about the world that you'll never see, but we use it sort of as the, uh, the information, that it, uh, the, the, the backdrop that informs some of the stuff that we write then for just Meow Meow Furrington. So within this city, there are two major crime families. It's a very, it's a very noir city, which means there's obviously there's crime families and crime and all these sorts of things. And they are the, uh, the, the, the Montemus and the Catulets. Um, and they are implied to be very dangerous, uh, mysterious cats that most people don't want to interact with. So when the game begins, you'll obviously be introduced to Cuddles, Nut and Butter, our protagonist, who is a private investigator in the city. And when we meet him, he's just wrapped up a case and is just about settling in for the night when he gets a phone call from the chief of police. And that kicks off the rest of the game. Uh, I, 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 I'm, <laughs> I wish I could say more. I want to, but I, <laughs> you, you only get to play a game once. And it's, it's I mean, we've, we've got so much stuff that we want to just make sure is a huge surprise to people. So I think that's as much as I'm willing to say about that. I can, however, talk about some of the other characters we've got. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the ones you meet very early, as you saw in the demo, is uh, Tabby Marshmallow, who is Cuddles' secretary slash, I wouldn't say nanny, but she certainly keeps him in line. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 at one point, he comments how she's a bit, uh, a bit scatterbrained, but I mean, that he could just as well be talking about himself from the way he loses things and whatnot. And beyond that, there's another 30 or so characters throughout the game. Um, most of them you meet in person. Some you only meet, you only hear their voices over the telephone, but I hope certainly all of them feel real. 
Well, they, they certainly did it um, in the demo, at least. And now you mentioned that, uh, well, Cuddles mentions that Tabby is scatterbrained. But what I saw, I mean, I could be wrong, is that she seemed to be putting on an act for him to pretend to be kind of scatterbrained, like not to be, not to, pre- you know, not to make him feel uncomfortable, to make him feel kind of like, yeah, he's the, he's the important <laughs> one, he's the intelligent one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that's true. I'm, I'm actually, the, the reason I say that is because I'm thinking about an event later on in the game. Um, oh. So perhaps, perhaps a better term than scatterbrained would be uh, clumsy. Uh, I think, yeah, I mean, they're not very much the same. I'm, I suppose I was thinking about cuddles to some extent, but <laughs> clumsy clumsy might be a better word for her. She's she's certainly on the ball, but mm. if she's got to hold on to a bunch of things, she's probably going to drop something. But they, they definitely, they, they complement one another, you know. It's definitely. A, they're a very good team, you know. Cuddles is a bit scatterbrained all over the place, and, you know, he's got, um, you know, his handy recorder, Ramon, and he's doing all these little things, uh, but she's sort of the sanity aspect of it, you know, keeping him steady and focused and, you know, making sure he needs to do what he needs to do. So that's the sort of a dynamic in, in that relationship. And and later in the game, you also get to play as Tabby. Uh, so that's going to be also. So she also gets her moment to shine. You know, she she's she's a vital part of that team and also to unravel this mystery that, that Cuddles gets pulled into. Interesting. Um, and, of course, one thing you mentioned, Shosha, was how they, how fun their interactions were and i mean that we we knew ourselves early on that that was a winning combination it's just whenever the two of them are talking it's just fantastic so there's plenty of that in the rest of the game we've really made sure there's lots of time for you to chat to tabby and just have those fantastic interactions with you know when you've got two characters who clearly have a history it might not be a history you're fully aware of but just watching them interact with that weight of history behind them is just such a joy. All the little in-jokes and things they say to one another and, yeah. No, definitely. It felt like they knew each other and particularly Tabby that she could nearly know what Cuddles was going to do and say before he did and said them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that nothing really surprised her because when he, he came back and he forgot something, and she, you know, she said again. I, I'm kind of. Yeah. I don't want to. Give, I know it's only a demo, but I don't want to give things away now. But when she she said, "Oh, have you forgotten it again? This is the third time. If not the maybe the fourth time, if you count this." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she she says three times, and then she waits for him to respond, knowing he's going to say, "Of course not," and then say, "Well, actually, it's four times. So it's even worse than you thought." So she's kind of playing with him as well. It felt like that. Yeah. <laughs> Gently yeah. teasing him as well, but kind of exactly. looking after him as well. Endearing, um, exactly. They, she's very endearing towards him, you know, mm. absolutely. And then there, there's the the other character that we meet in the demo was the the other police officer who's guarding the. Uh, again, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but particularly liked him as well. His quirk as well that um, you, you know you you had to have all the documentation. <laughs> Everything has to be exactly right. And I mean, the last it, it, bastion against darkness. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it certainly might seem as if he's being, you know, he's just there as a joke almost, like, you know, a police officer who really wants to stick to the law. But uh, you'll find once you progress to the next part of the game that there's actually a reason why he's like that. So, yeah. Interesting. I look forward to finding out. And then, as well as the interactions with Tabby, I really like the interaction with the chief as well. Again, with when you're. Right as well, you give the exposition, but then you add some jokes in as well. So with the chief that he said that you know something has happened, but then 
when he says, I didn't call you, now I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I didn't, I didn't call you second for nothing. <laughs> and, yeah. and, then, and then Cuddles was like, wait, second? Cuddles, Cuddles has, has a, a, a PI nemesis. He's only the second best PI in the city. The, be, the, the best PI in the city is called Alfonso. And Cuddles has a bit of a rivalry going with him, which certainly crops up several times throughout the game. It's even, it's even the key of a puzzle at one point, I believe. Yeah, but, it uh, is. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I appreciate what you mentioned there about exposition with comedy, because obviously mm-hmm. that is one of the trickier parts of a game like this. Is In the past, adventure games have often, you'll talk to a character and there's 5,000 dialogue options. <laughs> yep. and you, can, you can go through all of them and it's either hit or miss or it's just miss. And you're like, well, okay, I know some more now, but, you know. And we are spending an extraordinary amount of time looking at the exposition-heavy parts and just trying to think, you know, how can we convey this better? How can we make it so that even the exposition is interesting? Because certainly the very last thing I want from any of the writing is for the player to feel bored by it. It might not be, it might not always be comedy, but I always want it to at least be interesting. Sure, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I think the... No, no go ahead. <laughs> the main thing is really the... Uh, w- the one thing I never want someone to experience is to walk into a new screen, see the hotspots, and feel deflated. You know, f- it, it must never feel like work. Okay, now I need to click through eight hotspots, and, you know, it's not enjoyable. And that's one thing we, we're, we're focusing now, you know, where we're, pre- we're preparing for the voice recording now, and we are systematically going through all the writing and, you know, being... Uh, very uh, strict about you know, harsh, the, the yeah. content. Yeah, harsh in, in cutting where we need to and making sure. Because that's the thing I want to prevent. People walking into it, it must never feel like work. You know, you bought this game, you really should be experiencing something quite fun. Uh, and that's what we aim for. Definitely. With the demo, it was a lot of fun. And I even went through the bookcase as well, the books that <laughs> you could interact with. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not sure if you if you found it, but there's actually yet another character you can meet in the demo. In the demo, it's, it's yeah, no, it's 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 quite it's not obvious. I I almost don't want to say because I want I to see to play when, it we again. The, <laughs> when, when we release the demo uh, for for public use, how many people actually come across it. But uh, it's it's probably my my favorite part of the demo. Certainly, the voice actors said they it was the the best time they had recording those lines. It's a uh, yeah. I'll leave it there. So have if you have time again. to revisit the demo and look around a little bit more carefully, you might actually be able to figure out how to speak to yet another character. <laughs> well, no, I'll have to check it out because I was really sure I, I went through all the interactions and I uh, everything else as well, but I'll, I'll well, go back through it, it. It's sort of a puzzle in a way. You have to apply a bit of of, of, of thought to it. It's not a It's not an obvious discovery. You need to put two and two together. Okay, well, I'll go back over it definitely because now I'm very <laughs> curious. And now you, you mentioned as well one of the reasons why it works, at least in the demo, is with the voice acting that they. And I wanted to ask you as well, how did you guys manage to get Ryan Reynolds to voice? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds very much like him. We his bought voice a lot of his. Uh, he, he will enjoy that reference very much. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, we've we've been so so fortunate with uh, the voice company uh, that we we've, we've worked with. They they have understood what we're doing from the beginning, and it has made it such. A pleasure and a joy to 
just to to write because we know what they sound like and we know how they think and I can write stuff that sort of that fits them really really well and you, you I mean you've heard the result it's just the inflections and the pacing is just spot on and it's just wonderful uh, I unfortunately can't remember where we met them though William do you? <laughs> <laughs> well uh, you know what they they actually emailed me and they uh, said uh, you know we're a voice company we would like to do the voice work for you. And, um, you know, I contacted them and said, okay, well, I mean, can you give us some samples? And they did. And it just sort of grew from there. You know, it's, it's a Canadian company. It's called the Hermit Collective. They're fantastic guys. The, the key thing with them is, you know, it's not really, it doesn't feel like a business transaction. They, they off, they, they, they're really passionate about it. They have now seen all the writing and they're excited when we talk to them. So, it's it's a business transaction, but it's also they they have a lot of investment in it you, because it comes across in the voice work as well. You know, initially Tabby wasn't really going to be a playable character, but um, you know the the voice actress she brought so much to to the character that we said oh, we got to expand this. You know, we got to expand this Tabby cuddles into action. Tabby needs a time to shine. Uh, so we've been very blessed uh, uh, getting them on board. They they are very passionate people and they and they it's not a business um, it's not a, a just a, a ABC job for them you know they they love the characters and they're invested in the world and that makes all the difference I think yeah I think you can you can tell as well because the, I mean R- Ryan Reynolds is also Canadian I believe and so maybe that's <laughs> because oh, right. I, when I was playing it I was thinking the intonation is it seems like Deadpool if he were a cat and less wary. <laughs> uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to use that on the box art. Sure. But if he was a cat, uh, that is that's fantastic. <laughs> sure, you you can quote me on that because I was just like, well, first of all, it's funny, and but then <laughs> I was like, just he just sounds so much like him, and I'm not saying this to make you guys or him feel happy. Feel good because I was when I was playing it. I was like, I mean, I know I'd be very surprised if it were Ryan Reynolds because I imagine you guys would have put that across everywhere on the Steam page as well. But it, it, sounds yeah, like if, if they've secretly got Ryan Reynolds without us knowing, <laughs> we'd, we'd be quite surprised. So yeah, we'll we'll but, put it on the box in quotes, right? Uh, voiced by Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> as said by Shawshank, just in very small text. I mean, if you think about it, the way the way Deadpool has that fourth wall breaking, it it could almost work, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then with uh, Tabby as well, you mentioned as well Scatterbrain and Clumsy, but I think it's the way she comes across with the voice acting as well, the way she talks, but then also you kind of know that, oh no, she's on the ball as well, and a lot of that is true, I, I believe, both from the writing and the voice acting as well. Oh, that's that's good. No, <laughs> Sorry, that, I mean it's 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 not very, a question, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, but I mean it's 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 very good to hear that because. Um, one of the challenges with the game, especially when you're working on it part-time and you're kind of, I mean, we haven't got the budget to hire 50 QA engineers to play through the thing. We get a couple of friends to play through, you know, and because they're friends, they say, yeah, it was nice. But you, <laughs> but what you want them to say is these are the parts that were terrible and that you need to fix. So, <laughs> which, which they don't do. So it's always good to get to hear from, from, from people that, you know, you've actually achieved what you set out to do with the writing and with the performances. So it's, it's very, uh, I mean, we're still a year out from release, but it's good to know that we're on the right track, as it were. Definitely. I mean, I hope the rest of the game doesn't suck because that would be a real shame. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you, we're on the same page with you there. <laughs> I mean, I'm I think sh- I, can, I can very confidently say 
the start is probably the low point of the game. It's only up from there. Um, oh, good to hear. <laughs> what the way it worked is we did part one. We were like, okay, we like this. And then we did part two, and we came up with a particular thing for part two that we thought we're not going to beat this. This is comedy gold. This is the high point. And then we got to part three, and we're like, well, it doesn't. It won't be as good as part two, obviously, but we can still make it good. And then we came up with something with part three that we're like, well, this is going to blow part two out of the water. So there's this. There's an escalation not only in all the things you expect, the scope of the game, the difficulty, the number of characters and all that sort of thing, but also the the, the comedy. I mean, I really think part three is has just some of the best stuff in the game, but part two has great stuff and part one also has great stuff. So, yeah, it's just it's just all good. I mean, obviously, don't listen to me. I'm the developer. What do I know? <laughs> we're, not, we're not objective, but, but you know... I can tell you when when I look at it and when and I mean I've looked at it a thousand times you know when I look at it and still to this day I would read through a thing and I would actually laugh out loud because it's just so good it's so ridiculous and it's so it fits so well something from part two that we read and we both just cracked up like hysterically laughing yeah because there was so there was so much in it like so much you know well good dialogue in it that's why I can't remember I'm like oh there's this part or I'm paraphrasing but. The challenge right now is we've got we've got about fifty thousand words written. So because the writing is pretty much done, it reminds me of what he's saying. It just escalates and escalates. Have you guys played this Discworld Noir? Um, uh, yes. Yeah, I'm actually busy with that now again. Playing it, I I played it years ago, and I mm-hmm. really fondly remembered it. And you know, it's odd that you mention it. I played it quite recently again. I played it up to. Uh, I didn't play it far. I played up to I think the one area where you go to the um, the, the guy who builds the go- golems, and um, it it was fascinating to see how they actually did it because the way I remember it is not the way I experienced it right now. It's still fun, but I, I was surprised at how little puzzling there is. It's really just I don't know. I can't remember if it improves later on, but it's really just walking around and talking to different characters. I mean, we're we're both major fans of, of Terry yes. Pratchett and the Discworld series. We absolutely love that. Uh, Discworld, no, I fondly remember, but uh, on recent play, it was interesting the difference between what I remember and you know what I experienced when I replayed it. Because you know, I love going back and playing these old games as well, but it was interesting seeing that difference. Yes, it's mostly dialogue. It's been a long time since I've played it myself, but it's mostly dialogue from what I remember. And then it's funny, I haven't played Discworld 1 and 2 yet, but uh, I, I hear that the puzzles in those games are incredibly difficult. Oh, so, so tough, eh? So, but, so, so tough. That's, that's, that's moon logic. Yeah. Right there. Which, which is also what, you know, imagine you try and avoid. But, um, the reason I mentioned this is because that game, I'm not going to give any spoilers, especially since you're playing it now, but that also escalates and escalates that you think part one is, oh, this is good. And then there's a twist and then so it's surprising. Oh, part two. And then part three is like, Oh, wow, I did not see that coming. <laughs> well, I, I mean, we, I, I think we certainly hope that's the experience people have. Uh, there is obviously a noir story and you have a mystery to uncover and you do uncover it. But I, I like to think that there's some twists and turns in there that people might not expect. So we'll have to see. But mm, even, okay. if, even, if there, even if they find the main noir story a bit blasé, I think everything around it will, will be thoroughly enjoyable. Well, I'm certainly very intrigued now that I expect you to play the demo but and then uh, you I know you mentioned that 
I believe William said, oh, you know, everybody, well, I love cats. Why not make it about cats? But there, there is now, uh, it seems like a lot of games now are animal detective games. You know, we have Inspector yes. Waffles. So Isn't it, it interesting? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that I, and uh, um, uh, there's, there's the... Um, uh, Chicken I Police. I can't remember yes. the name offhand. Chicken but the Police. One with the uh, giraffe. The uh, giraffe I think it's uh, Lord Winklebottom. Lord Winklebottom Winkle investigates. Yes. <laughs> That's it, yeah. No, we actually, the other day, well, not the other day, I suppose the other month on Twitter, there was actually a little uh, uh, a collection of us, all us animal <laughs> animal detective games were involved in, a, in in an article on some other website. So we got to meet all the other guys and say hi. And, oh, oh I'd love to read that. Game. So well, really, and <laughs> that was, uh, I'll, I can track down the link for you. But yeah, it was, uh, that's where I went to William and I said, did you know there's another cat noir detective game? I thought we there were the only several. one. <laughs> but you know what the thing is with that? It, it was never a conscious decision because cuddles, there's actually a real uh, real world cuddle, a cuddles, a real life cuddles, and that's our cat. So <laughs> cuddles is based on our little cat. Uh, you know, and, we... and he also talks and he's a detective. So it was a natural. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I never noticed that. Well, that's amazing. <laughs> inspired by real life in this case. <laughs> we can put that across. But our cat doesn't have a tabby, but he desperately needs a tabby cat. <laughs> yeah, shame. He, he isn't. He's, he isn't a smart, uh, smart cat. But he's beautiful, and that's all that matters, right? Well, <laughs> ask, ask Cuddles. I'll, I'll, sorry, I'll ask Tabby how she feels about that. Yeah, because I speak sometimes with uh, Jan from Colossal Games, who's making Inspector Waffles, and I keep telling him what I really, really want is. A type or like Avengers with animal detectives. <laughs> so this is first of all the individual storylines, and then they all get together. And <laughs> I don't know how that would work with all the developers who would make it, who I would mean, write it. But I want this be, to happen. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I know for a fact that Inspector Waffles is going to be featured in, in yes. uh, Chicken, Chicken Police. So we are we're, we're well on the way. We just need to get a giraffe and cuddles in there. And we're sort of, <laughs> but yeah, I can see them sort of moving between games. And as they slide between the games, they, their art style drastically changes to fit the new <laughs> game, you know. So it should be this, this very interesting montage of styles across all the games. You've got your hyper-real Chicken Police. You've got your... 1920s hand drawn. You got your pixel art, and then you got our sort of hybrid thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's interesting because even though there, as we mentioned, a lot of animal detective games, they're all still different. And there was one that I played from Mipumi Games, which was called Flower Collectors. Now, this again, they're all animals, but this is very different, say, from what I've played of your game because this is more serious, and they act more like humans. That they're just basically look like animals, but they're humans. Uh-huh. And it's set in 1977 in Barcelona, and just and it you know some some of the topics are you know heavy in a good way that to talk about politics and fascism because Spain was coming out of a fascist dictatorship, so and it's like oh wow this but this is really interesting. So then my question for you guys is why do you think now we're having quite a lot of animal detective games? What do you think is the appeal to making these games? What do you think the appeal is to playing them? Um, it's an interesting question, and I think there's two answers to that. The one is that people love their animals, and they want to see their animals in games. It's just a natural thing. You want to see your children succeed. You want to see your animals represented, be it on Instagram, Facebook, or if you can make it, uh, you know, a video game. But at the same time, it gives you this opportunity to tell human stories from 
a perspective that isn't immediately obviously human. I mean, all of these games. I mean, the, the, there's a reason that noir is the genre that so many of these of these games have chosen, right? Because that's the genre about you know people having problems, people struggling, people you know striving to overcome forces bigger than themselves, and that's obviously something that a lot of people can relate to in modern in modern life. So I think it's that that juxtaposition of the cutesy animal and the heavy subject matter that makes for an interesting combination. Yeah, I think definitely. And it, I think it, well, in this game it it worked because we see that they're quite clearly cats, and then other other games as well that we mentioned that they're more human than than cats as well. Um, but yeah, also as you mentioned, the people want to play as their you know their pets and their animals, which I think is yeah that's that's you know. Definitely true as well, but we're you know getting this really nice subgenre <laughs> of animal no, detectives. I, I'm all for it, you know. More, oh, more cats and games, bring it on. <laughs> I mean, we, I think Animal Crossing is only scraping the surface of what we could achieve with animal-based games. You know, I want to see an Assassin's Creed with a wolf as a. Oh, you know? <laughs> that would be very interesting, actually. <laughs> and then go, going on to the to the gameplay, because you, if he's with him, you mentioned the puzzles as well that. You're a fan of more, you know, puzzles in adventure games. So my question then is with, you know, how how do you make a game with puzzles more for a modern audience? Because there, I mean, I suppose there are more hardcore adventure game players who want more challenging puzzles, but then there are more casual adventure game players exactly. who probably like, well, myself and Daniel who get stuck yeah. quite yeah, easily. Well, I mean, it's, precisely <laughs> that. I mean, I I have looked at some of the puzzles and I've told him, look, no one's going to get this. It's too difficult. And he says to me, no, people, people oh, they will get it. <laughs> and when they get it, they're going to have a massive sense of satisfaction and it's going to drive them onto the next puzzle. And then I say, are you sure? <laughs> because this is the thing, you know, it's that incredibly thin line between a puzzle that makes you feel clever and one that you simply can't solve at all. But then, so you we've know, had, yeah. we've had, yeah, we've had um, testing, we've had play mm. testing done. And, you know, it's interesting because, People have a wide range of responses. You know, I struggle with this, but that's not something someone else struggles with. And the puzzles themselves, I think the key thing to answer your question is really it's it's signposting to make sure that you are giving the tools to the player. Because the the worst thing that, you know, I could experience when I play a game is if I have to go and look at a walkthrough and go, I would have never gotten this. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't feel fair. It feels it robs me of something, you know. So that's one tenet uh, with the with the game players, you should never feel that it wasn't clearly signposted. You know, all the puzzle, all the bits were there. When you look at the solution, you should go, "Oh, I should have seen the solution." So that's the that's the one thing. We also have a hint system, which is optional, and that hint system's got two levels. Uh, right now, we only have the one level in. That's a demo you played, but in the main main uh, game, we've got two levels. Uh, so if you do get stuck, you can go to the hint system, and that there. We just give you a very, we sort of just nudge you in the correct direction. Uh, but then there's also a story mode. So if you just want to enjoy the characters and you want to enjoy the writing, you can en enable story mode. And then in the hint system, we're very explicit in what you need to do to do these things. Because, you know, uh, the point-and-click adventure genre, it's a great genre and I'm an, uh, I love it. But, you know, with a modern audience... It's it's a difficult fit because it there's there's a certain measure of patience that you need to have and you know um, commitment to what you're experiencing. Uh, you know we want to make it accessible, so we give the players the options. They can enable those options. They can use the hint system. They can enable story mode. 
um, and we make sure to signpost. You know, it should never feel unfair. You should, and we actually had several feedback like that. Uh, you know, these different scenarios that I mentioned, where one person was stuck on one thing and, and someone was stuck on another thing. You know, when they actually figured it out, it was that that brief moment that you know I I you know have so much nostalgia for, where you go, oh, that is, I, I get it. You know, I, I this is the the thing to do, and you feel clever. And we actually had confirmation of that, where a few people said, oh, I feel so clever now. So that's the metric that we use to to gauge the the puzzles. It's it's always a challenge because, you know, you think it makes perfect sense, but you know, maybe maybe it's not. But we, you know, what I do is I do project management, I do training, you know, uh, uh, as the day job as well. So I understand how to signpost things and I understand how to guide people to get them where they need to be. So that's also been quite valuable in the puzzles. You know, we've we've got some difficult stuff in there, but it's never unfair, and that's the key thing for me. Yeah, that's um, that's great to hear that there, there are different options because, like, I believe the Curse of Monkey Island had that as well, didn't it? It had mm. the uh, the easy mode and the harder mode as well, uh, with more puzzles. Yes, yes. So I'm not I'm not remembering badly. <laughs> it's and <laughs> yeah. Tipperwee Park had the same, but exactly, yeah. But so, there, of course, it was a bit different because there the puzzles actually changed. You had the hard puzzles, right? And then, the normal puzzles uh, with our resources that would have been a bit too much. So we've gone for the sort of the, the, the other option of making the hints more explicit when you're on the easier mode. So. Sure. Yes. And then when you, you know, you say that people are different as well, because myself and Thomas who reviews, uh, who reviewed the games as well, we, you know, sometimes when we play the same games, uh, we, you know, chat to each other and then we finally get stuck at different locations <laughs> on different <laughs> yeah, puzzles. Exactly that. Yeah. And um, it's, I'll tell you what, when we did play testing, people got stuck on things we never thought people would get stuck on, and they solved the things we were sure they would get stuck on. So <laughs> it just goes to show you never know how people interpret what you've put out there. Exactly. And it's a wide range of it's a wide range of feedback, right? We get people that says, "Oh, you must make it a bit more difficult." People say, "Oh, it's too difficult," but that's the nature of it. You know, you gotta you gotta just make sure that people that that it's always fair. I think that's the the baseline uh, for us. You know, it must never feel unfair uh, to players. Sure, yeah, because then at conferences, when I was at Adventure X last year, and I played a kind of detective game as well. Now, I got stuck, but then the developer had to give me a hint. And then I said, okay, no, I see that uh, we didn't uh, signpost well enough. But I said, no, 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 this this is probably just me because... <laughs> you know, see if other people have the same issue because apparently I for, I forgot to use the the PDA, but I just used that before, so I knew that it was there, but I just forgot to use it. So I said, no, look, this is probably just me because I get stressed when I play at conferences in front of developers as well. <laughs> yeah. so, okay. Because because I'm like, oh, are they going to think that I'm you know stupid or whatever? And then what developers have told me is that. They're also kind of stressed, thinking, "Oh my God, is this game too hard? Are people going to like it?" So, it's. But I said, "See, see what other people think as well. Don't go just by what I do, because I do some incredibly stupid things in games as well." Yeah, I, I actually watched a short documentary about uh, Darkest Dungeon the other day, and in that they specifically said they said exactly that. They there's this point where you're looking at your game and you're thinking. No one's going to like this. This is what have we made? This is a disaster. It's too difficult. No one's going to, you know. But then you give it to people and they rise to the occasion, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they surprise you. 
So yeah, it's always, it's, I mean, I, I can't even say always, but you can definitely give people the benefit of the doubt a lot of the time. If you're like, oh, oh maybe this is too hard. It's like, well, let's leave it in and let's see. I think people might might be smarter than we give them credit for, you know. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And then Laura mentions that she somehow breaks the demos, that she does things that nobody expects. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and then she's like, oh, sorry. But then it's like, no, no, that's great, actually. No, that's good that, you know, you tried yeah. that. Now we can... <laughs> it's the best thing ever when someone breaks a game because then we can fix it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I haven't got, got done that yet, but... Um, and and then the, the the graphics was another thing that I, that I really like the the art style. So because it's uh, you know beautiful uh, you know cartoony graphics as well, which it's uh, so I was wondering if you could talk about how you guys came up or who came up with the art style as well and how you guys went about it because it does look genuinely you know really really nice. Thank you. Yeah, I mean we've uh, the 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 art style sort of evolved. I think it. We we started off with a general concept. Uh, well, the the characters. I think that's where we started. So that informed pretty much uh, the rest of the art style. We, you know, our first character we did was Cuddles, and you know, the source for that was a picture of our cat and said, "Here you go. This is the character sheet. Here's our cat." You know, and that the, that really became the basis of the art style. And I think for us, you know. Uh, you know, p- pixel art and all that—that's great, but w- that's not the game I wanted to make. Uh, you know, I wanted—I wanted to be visually pleasing. It's each screen should be a reward unto itself. You know, it should be like, oh, this is so nice to look at. I want to investigate. I want to look here. I want to look there. So that's the—that's—I think that's the main drive. Uh, each each screen is like a little, you know, reward. You gain a new area, and it's visually pleasing to look at. Uh, we, you know, I've I've gone through because we are outsourcing it. We we we've gone through a few artists, but we now have a core. We've got three main artists that does the majority of the work, um, and the stuff they've come up with is is super nice, and the style is consistent as well, which is really important. But it needs to be visually appealing. You know, it, it needs to really just be that reward aspect. Oh, definitely. I think we can safely say. That it is visually appealing when we see it, it's, you know, it's very striking. It's, you know, it's like, wow, this is really nice. I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. It's um, and then what engine are you guys using to make the game? It's, it's Vision A Studio um, Five. It's a German company. It's the uh, guys that make um, that that uh, it's the engine that's used for um, Deponia. So the Daedalic guys, they used oh. to use the engine. You know, that was also one of the challenges we had because obviously we this is our first game and we needed to get uh, the necessary knowledge, you know, so uh, we needed a platform. And I looked at different engines. I looked at Unity. I looked at uh, a Unity plugin. But, you know, nothing, none of the, the solutions that were out there really gave me exactly what I needed. Uh, so I looked at Vision A Studio and I understood that that could be a good basis um for the game because it's a proven track record stasis was made with it as well um and then but obviously we needed the knowledge so i actually emailed the guys in germany the developers of it and i said well i i will i will create training content for you if you will in turn help me and give me the necessary knowledge to to develop the game and and that's what we did you know so i've created several training videos for them because that's where they were lacking uh, you know they, they they've got a great product, but they don't really have the resources or the ability to 
to do a comprehensive training series. And I've done that now for them on YouTube. And in return, they helped us, you know, just with that knowledge share. So that's how we got the technical aspect of it uh, down. So that was also a challenge in itself. But it's it's Visionaire Studio. You know, it's it's a nice engine because it focuses on 2D point-and-click adventure games. And that's all I need. The thing with Unity and plugins, it's too widespread. The, the learning curve is too steep given where we were and our resource limitations you know i wanted a product or a, a engine that will give me exactly what i need and this was the best candidate and it's worked out beautifully you know it really does do what it what what we wanted to do and it's it's easy it's accessible so for anybody else that would want to make adventure games i would recommend this this uh, platform for sure cool yeah not and I think we can see that so you know that you mentioned Deponia because this game because Deponia looked very very nice as well, and mm. uh, this game certainly from the demo I've, I've played as well it, it's you know I'd say it's it's up there with it as well it looks really nice again I'm not saying this just to make you guys happy it was <laughs> genuinely very impressive <laughs> and the, and then finally then with uh, the, the music as well I was wondering if you could talk about the music and did you guys do the music or did you find somebody else. Oh. No, to do the music no, no. <laughs> i mean i think at one point we accidentally hit two two glasses at the same time and produced a music note and that was <laughs> as close as we've gotten no uh we have someone else doing the music and i mean we are we, the music is just spot on uh again the, the 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 composer just really understands that sure it's a noir game but there's more to it than that and he's put the layers into the music that just make it feel just wonderfully chipper and upbeat and just brings each area to life in such a lovely, lovely way. And I mean, I can't wait for you for people to hear the rest of it. Again, I've shared one or two tracks sort of publicly, but the rest of it is just fantastic. So it's, it's very much a huge, uh, very much a big part of the, the feel of the areas, you know? Yeah, definitely. And did you work closely together? Did you say that no, this is how I want it? Or did you let the composer compose kind of go this is yeah this is nice he uh it, it went through multiple phases he he, he would create some sort of uh, sketches for us to say okay how does this bit sound how does that bit sound and then he'd start bringing them together into longer pieces and then we'd say yeah you got it i mean we we barely had to ask for any adjustments he he really just first time we were like yes perfect this yeah. is exactly the the right sound for what for the game we're making you know because music, you know, it's it's difficult for us. Uh, we've talked about this several times. Music, it's it's a, a very, um, it, it's not clear. You know, I, I find it difficult to articulate what is wrong with a music track when I listen to it, but I know it's not right, you know. Uh, and with with the composer that we've got, you know, luckily he he nails it. He, he's got a certain way of com putting things together and it just fits, you know. So we've been lucky in that sense as well. You know, we've been... We've been actually very lucky with everybody that's on board. The the artists that we've got now, the voice actors, the the composer, and you know I think it's and the people have a passion for the project. It's it's interesting when you talk to them and you explain to them like with, with an artist. If I would go and say, okay, well we're now doing this section of the uh, of the game. These are the backgrounds that you need to do. This is the mock-up. This is the gameplay that's going to occur. And when I explain the story and, and how it fits in with the world, you can actually hear them laugh. They go, oh, this is amazing. Uh, so it, it's not just, it, they, they, they are invested from their side. 
And that, that really contributes because everybody is bringing their absolute best to the project. Um, and that, that shows uh, at the end of the day. So we're very lucky. We're very lucky with the people we have on board. No, it, again, you can definitely tell. And then uh, probably I'm going to save my best question till towards the end then. Um, did you, to get the right look, did you put a hat on your cat to see how he would look and if he'd look similar in as he did in the game? Uh, <laughs> yes. In fact, we have, we have really? an ongoing segment. We have an ongoing segment called Hats on Cats. Where we put hats on our cats. We really do. I'm not joking. We really do. Right. We got... <laughs> We, uh, we we wait until they're sleeping, and we take one of our collection of hats, and we put it on the cat, and we take a photo of them. <laughs> and we post it on Facebook. There's an album so, called Cats with Hats. Oh, I have to <laughs> check that out. <laughs> so, yeah, long long before the game was born, we were already practicing for it, basically, you know, trying out different hats to see which one fit in the best. <laughs> and, I, and I'm sure that they are delighted, uh, knowing cats that, uh, you know, for example, my uh, grandmother's it's, cat. <laughs> it's so hard to tell, but I think deep inside, they're, they're, they're laughing with us, you know. They're too lazy to care. All they do is sleep. <laughs> 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 yeah, and it's, so I'm surprised that the cats in this game weren't napping in the middle of the investigation. <laughs> oh, I'm, I, there's this. Well, yeah, you know, spoilers again, but yeah, don't worry, don't worry, it's it's coming. Yeah, it happens. We'll, uh, you know, at the end of part two, we won't spoil it, but but it happens. It happens to a character you've already met. Uh, oh, okay. Now we, I yeah, put in every bit of cat propaganda, as it were, that we can, you know. Now I have not played this game, so if I mention any spoilers at all, I, it is completely by accident. <laughs> um, well. Um, so then you mentioned that you have a release date for this game. This is uh, you mentioned February. Is that set, is that set in stone or how how far along are you then? It's it's, it's not set in stone, um, but it's what we're aiming for the first quarter of 2021. Um, yes. But that, that's I mean, set in we, stone. The first quarter. Yeah, we we have previously said 2019 for sure, 2020 for sure. <laughs> Uh, so the the one advantage to to self funding the game is we can kind of drag it out as long as we mm. need to. So with luck, uh, we will hit our target. We we certainly are completely on track for it uh, with all of our deadlines. In past you know, past deadlines, stuff has come up and it's just become a nightmare. But this time, everything's coming together. So I'm yeah I'm probably 80, 85, 90 percent sure that we'll we'll hit our our target this time. But if if it has to go a few more months to make sure we get things just right, then I'd rather we do that than push course, it out yes. you know, incomplete. Because the game in its current form is playable about 80%. And that is that is pretty much... So you can... you can, And that's about six to seven hours worth of, of gameplay. So, yeah, there's there's no doubt in my mind. Daniel might be a bit more reserved with that, but there's no doubt that Q first. <laughs> it, it will happen. <laughs> Okay, so we definitely it will be released in February 2021. We got that. <laughs> <laughs> now, I also say to developers, is take your time when it's ready, because you know the, um, you know I'm sure you guys have seen as well. If the game is released, and then you can clearly see it's not ready. There are bugs maybe with it, so uh, I would say take take it. take your time. We don't, we don't want that. So I mean, it's been it's been four years so far. You know, a few more months won't won't be the end of anything. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then I know it's still probably early, but is there, do you guys have any ideas or plans on making 
uh, on other stories or other games afterwards, uh, or or can you say anything? So what can yes. you guys say? <laughs> I I can say I can take that. Okay. One. So, <laughs> you know what? Yes, absolutely. And in fact, in in the in the current game, we've we've um, uh, peppered some some hints on the sequel. If you if you are playing in uh, you know on Cuddle's desks, you can see you know his half brother Matrix and. You know, there's there's some telephone stuff that you can phone, and you know throughout the game actually we are peppering stuff for the sequel. So the sequel will be, um, you know, we're thinking in big terms. You know, we're thinking in in the brand and the world, the world being Firth. So we're definitely dropping hints, and if uh, people that are observant, they'll definitely pick that up for sure. And it will. If it does come, it'll be after a nice long break. <laughs> nice yeah, I think you guys will deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> so then the second game will be with Inspector Waffles and the Chicken Police and it'll be the Avengers then. <laughs> it, it's exactly, it'll be, we, Cuddles can no longer solve these mysteries by himself. He needs to bring in all his friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, I look forward to, to seeing that. It's um, And then it's, so this will end on a cliffhanger then, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah. No, 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 definitely not. I mean, even though we definitely we have very strong ideas for for a future game, I want this to be a self-contained thing that you can play, finish, enjoy, and be done with, and not have to worry about only getting the rest of the story later. Because sure, we've, we've uh, compromised. At at the end of the credits, there'll be just a brief little, like an Avengers movie, there'll be a brief little teaser. <laughs> but the story itself will be contained. Uh, but there'll definitely be hints throughout. Mm. Okay, so Cuddle, Cuddle's Nutter Butter will return. <laughs> <laughs> In some form, absolutely. Mm, interesting. And so where can people find out more about your game and you guys then? So they can go to Steam. We're on Steam, Nine Noir Lives. Um, we also have a Discord. Uh, if they go to our website, www.nnlgame.com, they can join the Discord from there. They can uh, join our mailing list. We send out our newsletters, and there's always a little story with a little unique piece of artwork, and the story usually is mm. about one of the characters, just for people who, who like the background. So I would really suggest that you know people sign up there for the mailing letter, but that's that's where they can find us. So Steam, uh, they can join our Discord. We're, we're on there as well. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'd be happy to have them. Nice. So they can join your newsletter, as you call it. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately I, I didn't come up with that myself. I'll, I'll give you guys the credit. Sir. <laughs> and well, I think that's all the questions that I have. Um, is there is there anything else that you guys would like to mention before we finish that we haven't covered, or anything at all that you guys would like to say to the people listening? I think uh, you know, uh, from me, uh, you know, I, I just. You know, I'm excited to give it to people. I'm excited to to have people see uh, the amount of passion that we've put into it and get invested in the world. I, I think that's the biggest thing. I, I'm just really excited to give someone the experience that that we've um, you know spent four years creating. So I'm excited about that. The only thing I can think of saying is that if you enjoy, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. There's one joke in the game just for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh now, now I have to see that movie just for just for oh, that it's a, joke. It's a series, actually. It's a comedy series. Oh, okay. oh yes, I, saw, is... I actually saw it. Yes, yes, I saw it. I thought I was thinking of something else completely. Yeah, it's basically 
bad Seinfeld, just the worst people in the world and what they do with their time. It is fantastic. <laughs> yes, I think I saw some episodes with on on a plane last year. <laughs> That's crazy stuff. But we do, we've got one little nod in there for people who enjoy that series for sure. Interesting. I mean, oh. that, that, that is sorry. That is actually one thing I can mention as a sort of a final note is. Um, we've actually tried really hard to make the game's writing not be referential, um, which it can be fun to have references, but you also isolate people who don't know what the mm. references are. So the references that are in are either, if you don't know them, that it's, it's the joke still funny, or it's just references to the world itself, um, which also helps make it, the whole thing feel more grounded. So um, there's, a, there's a big push to make it accessible for people. We want anyone to be able to pick this game up and enjoy it for what it is without having to have a 20-year history playing adventure games or to know all the latest memes and Fortnites and I don't know what. We don't mm. too old to play that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, we really just want this to be a fun, accessible experience for anyone who likes cats and or doesn't like cats even, just enjoys good games. Yeah, I think we can we can tell actually with, uh, you know, with the humor, with the dialogue that it felt kind of natural. And that's just in the world as well. It's not trying to copy other games as well. So I, I do appreciate that as well. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And um, and thank you both for joining me. Hopefully we'll keep in contact because I would love to know more about the development of the game. And um, if you guys are ever in Ireland, let me know uh, because Ireland is a small country. So I mean, not yeah. now because we we can't leave our homes now. Time recording. <laughs> but, uh... we'll just come come, knock, come to the window and knock and wave. And <laughs> But you know what? Now that you mention that Ireland is so small, because I, I told you uh, that I love Ireland. I think it's fantastic. Mm. But the, I remember when I visited there, I was I, I visited. Uh, I was there for a week, and then one of my friends flew over, and I was I was at the um, at the at Dublin airport, and the the most pleasant Irish old lady sitting next to me and talking to me and telling you, no, you know, here's my number. Ta- uh, phone me. I'll I'll organize things for you i'm like oh that's amazing and but i, I asked her is this um you know in, international arrivals and she she like leaned over and said no dearie there's just one you know there's no international <laughs> and domestic and then i realized okay it's a small country but, that, uh, that is very true we i believe we have two other airports one in cork and I believe one in knock for some reason because it's a very small town but then it's it's like a shrine as well. It's for you know religious people. Which anyway, that's <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a very small country. Imagine compared to South Africa, anyway. So, yeah. um, well, hope, hopefully we can meet in future again. We'll definitely keep keep in touch. And so, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you guys, and I'm really looking forward to checking out the game when it's released. Oh, thanks, Joshua. Thanks for your time. Thanks a lot. So that was my interview with the guys from Silvernote Studio, developers of Nine War Lies. And a huge thank you to the guys for uh, speaking to me. It was great to speak to them. And I hope to take as long as needed on the development of their game because it's looking like it could be something really special. So it's best to uh, take as long as necessary to make the game as good as possible. So the very best of luck with the game. And I would encourage people listening to wishlist a game on Steam. The show notes or the link will be in the show notes rather. And uh, you can find out when the game will be launched. And um, so that is it for this week. I'll be back next time with Thomas and Laura when we're reviewing the latest adventure games we've been playing. 
So uh, thank you as always for listening. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. So if you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate, and review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps, and reviews will help get the word out, especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast. Now, you can also follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at AdventGamePod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are a Adventure Game developer or a Adventure Game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you